Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Nice. Oh, man. So literally the only difference was that I had it plugged into a different USB port right now because I have the mic that goes into the USB and the headphones go into the mic. And it was just in a different USB port. Which, like, that's really going to throw it off. That's, that's fucking bullshit. Which it's now that I also look at so the, like, audio select playback device thing um it is it is a different device so that i, I should have noticed that oh you're all good man did you hear me did you hear me talk about my mic about my own mic i i i briefly heard it but uh didn't uh didn't get the whole story there i got a i got a new mic well i got a mic through my job because uh, it's it's for like being in meetings and stuff, and it's of the quality of like a call center. It's really sensitive, and it's got these like little handheld, uh, not handheld. Sorry, it's like attached to the microphone cord, but it's got like physical buttons for like muting yourself, turning up or down the volume, and then like I don't know what the top one does. It's it's just a it's just an icon of a phone, and right now it's green. I think it like senses if you're in a meeting. But I bet the button is like to just leave the meeting. So I haven't pressed it yet, and I don't want to press it right now. It's not, it's not like a mute button. No, the bottom one's a mute button. I've got a. See, I've got a, I've got a, a different button's a mute button. That sounds like a dope headset. I, I feel like your audio sounds better too. It's the the quality audio sounds really good, and the audio that comes through the here headphones sounds really really good, but. It is not noise canceling at all. In fact, the like actual like e- things that go on your ear are probably from like 2006. Um, but the specs of it are real. I mean, the audio quality is all really good. Meetings all sound really good. Um, so yeah, that's great. Uh, also, just wanted to point out that this is the weekly drive are you there? Did you fuck it? Did, did it die? Oh no! Oh no! You can't hear it now. I can. Yeah, I, no, I, that's I, me. But you didn't hear the you didn't hear the gunshots. I did not hear any of the soundboard. Oh Jesus! All right, all right. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Now I can't. Oh fuck! Yeah. Oh no! Oh no! It's dead. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! It's dead. It's it's dead. God damn soundboards, stupid ass computers. I hate being at computers. All right, sorry, my cat's my cat's freaking out. Uh your cat's hearing the gunshots. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> It'd be funny if like just on my end the gunshots were getting played through the external and I just didn't hear it. My cat's like freaking out. But, but oh, I heard it. I heard it. Not you did? Yeah, I did. I'm going to try it one more time. Tell me you hear it again. Yeah, there it is. Bada bing, bada oh, boom. All right. All right. We're back. We're it. so keep fucking Here we go. Wait, no, you got to do it again. I said, this is the weekly drive. One shot. One shot. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> The soundboard is back. Fuck, fuck the IT nerds that thought that they wouldn't work. Guess what? Because it does. <laughs> and uh, it is April eighteenth, two 
two days away from Christmas, uh, and we are <laughs> talking about Succession, baby. Number one show in America, and the number one show in the world. I mean, none of that. None of one else is making any shows like this, baby. <laughs> We're talking about Succession. That's the fourth season aired last Sunday. I think there are eight episodes of in the season. So yeah. we are halfway done, and uh, the king is dead. The king is dead. We should have, we could have, we could have prefaced that with a, a, a little bit of a spoiler alert. No, um, fuck them. If you ain't watching this show, fuck yourself because this show rocks, baby. <laughs> Did you record that? <laughs> 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 Can you delete that shit, please? One shot. Are we turkey hunting? <laughs> turkey hunting. <laughs> Kill that I fucking that turkey. <laughs> sounds like a flute. Uh, sounds like a flute solo. I I can't remember what that was in reference to, but you did it last week, and I it was I probably was, Rainbow Rose, <laughs> fucking stupid Rainbow Rose. <laughs> Wish I never listened to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the king is dead. Succession has, is halfway done, and an heir was named at some point. I think. What are your What are your thoughts on uh, What are your thoughts on the heir being named? So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll double back for a hot second here uh, because we got two episodes to talk about here. We got episode three and episode four because this is actually the semi-monthly drive-by these days. Um, so, you know, there were some comments around the beginning of the season by people who don't believe in this show, by people who are fake fans, by people who who doubt, uh, you know, the 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 writing, the brilliant writing by Jesse Armstrong. And they were like, um, you know, it's, you know, these these past first two episodes of season four, it's, it's you know, kind of similar to season three. They're not really doing anything new. And uh, it just seems like a continuation. And the plot, you know, because it's been so long since last season, uh, it's, it's hard getting back into it. And it feels like they're just going to do the whole same thing over and over again. And um, they, they, they don't have, you know, the, the highest scores on IMDb. Um, the, the first episode, the monsters currently has an 8.8 and the second episode rehearsal has a 9.1. So those are, those are, those are solid scores. Those are, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a, if you're a good show, you'd be happy with those scores, but this is not a good show. This is a great show. This is succession. And they really shook things up on the third episode. Now, uh, I cannot find the absolute list of the best shows ever on IMDb. Um, I, it's it's here somewhere. It has to be here somewhere, but this website's garbage and it's not easy to navigate. So uh, you know, no, I, I even clicked on like their TV shows heading and I can't, you know, top 250 TV shows. This is fucking, it's the whole series. It's not the episodes, whatever. Um, this episode, Episode three, Connor's wedding. It had a 10 out of 10 for a, a little while. Right now it's sitting at a 9.9, 9.9 out of 10. So the people are saying this is one of the best 
television episodes in the history of television. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure I completely agree with that. I uh, I think this was a, a, a great episode, but I think the reaction to it has been um, a little a little bit more than what I would have given it. Um, I think creatively, you know, in terms of uh, the shots on the on the boat, uh, to give a little bit of context here, I guess uh, you've you've already heard it. This is the episode where Logan dies, and he basically dies within like the very like first five or ten minutes of the episode. I'm pretty sure, uh, yeah, maybe fifteen minutes. But uh, it was really unexpected, even though. You know, people who know know that Logan was actually supposed to die back in season one, but they ended up keeping him on just because one, Brian Cox is a great actor, and two, I guess they they found you know more they could explore with the writing with him. Um, but yeah, he he finally died in episode three of season four, and uh, you know, I I saw the after the episode thing, and. First of all, they, they shoot the show entirely on film, apparently. It's not digital, even though you could do this show completely on digital. And I don't know if it would make too much of a difference, but, you know, artists are going to be fucking artists. So, you know, HBO is letting them waste money and that's fine with me. Uh, what they uh, did on this boat scene was they really tried to, I guess, I'm, I'm forgetting some of the details here because it was a little while ago, but they tried to shoot it basically a lot of it was shot in one go uh it's yeah. not one take because they're shooting on film so they're running out of film and uh they had they try to have i think two cameras running always at the same time um but what they had to do you know for the case that one camera dies uh, they have to like hide film reels around the set so that the camera can like if one camera dies it can hurry up and and pick a new reel up and reload uh, just to make sure both don't go dead at the same time. And I thought that was a that that's a really cool step in their creative process to learn about. Um, another thing that I think was really interesting sort of behind the scenes here is that the the cast uh, didn't know about it, I guess, until they actually started shooting it or something because uh, they they had a code word in the scripts um, that was a, uh, instead of saying Logan dies, it, it said, uh, Larry David. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> so people didn't really know it was going to happen until it was like, Hey, this is happening guys. I think those are the, those are the only two notes on the creative process I have it, but overall, you know, I think it's cool that they, they dragged it out kind of in the episode. It wasn't like, you know they did a whole episode out of it they did a whole yeah. we're currently in the middle of connor's wedding and logan is trying to basically uh he's, he's trying to get the kids to come out after um like either in the middle of connor's wedding or after it it was kind of vague to me uh but he, he wants them to basically like dip out pretty quick after that and he's on the plane and he dies on the plane in the bathroom which is I think that's a great touch. I think, uh, you know, Logan is this bigger than life figure and, um, you know, everybody kind of bows to the guy and he's, he's very threatening and all this stuff. And he literally dies while he's on a toilet, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like, it kind of shows you that like, it, do it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you're, you're, you know, you're going to die the same way that a bunch of random fucks die pretty much. 
Um, so that was a good touch. Uh, the actress who plays Carrie, again, she was in this. She was pretty great. And after Logan dies, she's just sitting there smiling because she's so shocked. And, you know, her whole life is kind <laughs> of revolving around Logan being her big meal ticket. And then it's like, wait, now fucking nobody's looking out for me if he's gone because you're Carrie. Who the fuck are you? Uh, so, you know, she, the actress did a great job playing that off. And um, I thought Jeremy Strong gave a really particularly great performance in episode three because he sort of he kind of understands the business aspect of it where like, OK, yes, we can be sad because our dad just died. But at the same time, everyone is going to remember what we did in this moment. He has sort of a scene that's not like a monologue, I don't think, but the, the kids are all talking and he gets a few lines of dialogue that really stood out to me as, uh, you know, number one, just him playing this character of Kendall as, as great as he's ever played it, uh, but also just really driving home, you know, that particular scene and his facial expressions and then his delivery. So that, that was another really great thing. But, you know, I guess my criticism here is that it, it did kind of feel like this episode dragged a little bit. I don't think this is a 9.9 episode. I don't think this is even one of the top three episodes of the show. If I had to just pick a number off the top of my head, I don't know what three I would put ahead of it right now at the, you know, drop of a dime, but I don't know. Uh, this, this is like a 9.5 to me. It was like really great, but it's, it, there was a little bit too much of, you know, kind of nothing really happening for it to be, one of the best episodes of television of all time. And I get that that might be sort of the part of the point is that, you know, when someone close to you passes, you never, you don't know how to react to it immediately. And things feel very drawn out, especially when there might be as much pressure on you as the kids have on them in this situation. But I don't know. I feel like they could have picked things up a little bit. Um, that's kind of all I have to say about it. What are your thoughts on episode three? Um, so episode three, I did find the list. And of TV episodes from any show that are not animated, because there's a lot of there's a lot of anime in this list. There are Weeb. there are um, I want to say three, no four. So it is the number five episode of all of um, of all of television that's live action. It is above. The Reigns of Castamere from Game of Thrones, which I believe is the Red Wedding episode. Uh, just one slot Wrong. ahead of it, though. Wrong. <laughs> so this one is number 13 of all time. It's at a 9-9. And I thought that the acting is what made this episode so highly regarded. And, and I think that's probably one half of it. The other half is that it is the big moment it's the big moment of someone's got to carry this on now this is no longer the same show uh one of the main characters has died and uh logan is now gone yeah he did die on the plane and you have tom over the phone calling to calling to ken he's like yeah your dad's not doing so hot uh they're doing chest compressions no one's really sure but i mean he was obviously dead and I think it was that moment of of early on, you know, it's that initial. I think they really captured a lot of the stages of grief, both in the in episode three and four, really, really well. Um, and I think that that was what really did it for me. I thought that this was an outstanding episode. I did think it dragged on a little bit because I was like, when like 
what is a satisfactory endpoint for this episode? I think that was a re- that was probably in the writing stage a really challenging thing to talk about. Um, and I did think that because of it, it did drag on a little bit. I think for something like this, a 55, 50 to 55 minute episode is probably the golden point. Um, but 60, this one's 62. And I think it was, I, I was, I was really shocked. I, uh, I did think that Kendall, this, I had messaged you that Kendall is such a fuckhead or something. I forget what it was, but that the, the kind of him stepping up was, I think it was really good acting, but I think the character is a fuckhead. I, I was like, you are so, you know, this is this, you think this is your moment. You, this is your moment where you can, you know, really dial back in those leadership qualities and already start kind of proving that you are fit for this role now that you see it's going to be open. I don't really think that uh, Kendall showed a lot of physical grieving, but I also don't think it's his character to do it either. He's totally an internalized everything kind of guy. And, you know, maybe it's a bit of a cop out for for people because i th- i've heard it from a couple of other people too that his acting in this episode was really 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 good and i think yeah i it, it was but i don't know that his range was you know all that big to really dial in on the uh dial in on the masterful performance i think shiv was really really good she totally flies all over the place and you, you see in episode four as well that she is certainly not as strong as she once was she's already start to uh to kind of lose her composure in all of this and it shows in a lot of bad decisions but in this episode too roman was really great uh connor once again blown the fuck out you <laughs> he is never <laughs> ever going to catch a break i think the the worst scene i mean he has two of the worst scenes I mean, like, from a character morality perspective. The first one is him talking with his soon-to-be wife um, that, like, oh, yeah, people are going... You know, with uh, with Willa, who were like, yeah, people are going to talk about this. How are we going to frame it? They're going to think that it was you having cold feet, basically. <laughs> like, he's, like, totally recognizing that people are going to be thinking that, you know, because they couldn't really come out and say it, but they had to cancel the wedding because it's like no one's gonna have a wedding at this point, and it really I thought it really drove home a great like uh you know real life theme of that it doesn't just always plan to happen like sometimes it just happens and in this case it just happened and it really couldn't happen to a you know characterize like like everyone in this is weak in this moment they they. Mm-hmm. Show through the whole show that all of these people hand, handle adversity very poorly. And mm-hmm. I think that that was something that was really driven home in these extended shots that that we had seen. And I recognized that, too, once they were on the boat, you know, Kendall's going back to find Shiv and pull Shiv out of this, you know, rich person's chat and all this networking event. And um, it was very... It was surreal. It was a very surreally shot scene. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Tom up in the plane, you know, really just providing a poor, you know, what's happening on the ground sort of uh, narrative. I thought that was, you know, very on par. Uh, I don't know. I really liked episode three. Um, I think it did drag on a bit, but I think it deserved it. 
for for the magnitude of what was happening. This was the turning point of the show. I also forgot to say that Connor in the as the second of his two events, he had said like uh God, he had said something when the kids confronted him. He at first he was like, Well, he didn't even really give a shit about me. So mm-hmm. yeah. what was the point? And then he dialed it back and he's like, you know, that was not the best thing to say. <laughs> so um yeah, that was that was interesting. I I don't know that I really care about Connor's character at this point, uh, or Willa. I mean, they're they're both just really on the ends of it, and I think that's a real. I think the show is making that painfully obvious that you know this is a family with a lot of passengers, and of course, episode four shows that a lot more. But Connor and Willa are passengers. Carrie is a passenger. Uh. Carolina, not so much, but she is a passenger. She's not in the. She's not really in the game. Greg is a passenger. Tom is a freaking passenger that thinks he's not a passenger. Uh, um, yeah, and you know, there's some other passengers here and there, but there's just so many passengers that you know it makes it a painful, uh, a painful follow along sometimes, and that's intended. Um, but yeah, I thought it was. A re- I enjoyed the episode a lot. I was shocked. Um, because this was the first episode I was I was watching alone here, and I had watched episodes one and two with my mom because I was still living at home, and then I watched the third one and I'm like, oh shit, oh no, this is actually real. Like he's dead, dead. He's not coming back from this. And uh, I realized that once, like they got off the plane, and I was like, all right, well, you know, and they had the what is it? They had the police out there. And I was like, all right, well, let's see where this go- where it goes from here so yeah those are those are my thoughts i enjoyed it as far as whether it deserves to be in the top you know five live action episodes of all time uh yeah probably not but i mean it should it it deserves to be in the conversation it's different it's unique it is the turning point of this episode people are going to remember this as a characterized characterizing moment um what's your number one episode for succession of all time so far I would I would really have to uh, look back through the history of it. But I think one that comes up off the top of my head is I think it would be the end of season two, I want to say. Um, that was the one where Kendall was set up to take the fall for the mishaps at Royco. Um, and... He, he finally admits to Roman and Shiv that he, you know, was kind of responsible for the death of a kid. And I do think that's going to come back to haunt him at some point. Um, I don't, I don't think we've heard the last of that. And somebody mentioned it. I think even, uh, I don't know if it was this season or earlier that, no, I think it was this season that Matson mentioned it in a text. Um, when he was trying to bait Kendall into like pushing the deal forward that, uh, you know, he was aware of Kendall, like dropping off that money at the kid's mom's house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that's going to come back, but I also think, you know, there were some great sibling moments in that episode and you had that good twist at the end. So that, that's one that I've like rewatched several times and been like, yes, that's, that's a very quality episode. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about episode four then? You know, now that we've been talking about it, I would say if I were, you know, if 
if we had episode three and four as like a two-parter, I would be comfortable with it like sitting this high because I, I actually really liked episode four. You know, IMDb is calling it a, a 9.3 right now, which is great. I think anything over a nine, um, you can be happy with that. Uh, maybe over a 9.2, let's say over an A minus because, you know, this is an A. Uh, I really enjoyed that Marsh is back. She yeah. has been severely missing from Big this time. Show. Um, I, I cannot even begin to like talk about like the, the few like minutes of screen time that she has in episode four. She absolutely murders. Oh my God. When Carrie comes back in trying <laughs> to get her things and Marsh is like, no, you're not going upstairs. Uh, it's like this whole thing where she's just letting Carrie know you are fucking nobody. You do not mm-hmm. matter. Back to her fucking apartment. <laughs> yeah, no, and that that was the line that uh, that killed me. They've been posting about that one on the on the Succession uh, subreddit. Was uh, we're calling Carrie a cab to take her to the subway so she can go back to her little apartment. It's something like that where oh, it's like, goddamn, Marshall, like why do you have to be so mean about it? <laughs> But I get it because it's like, you know, that's the the young girl that's been fucking your husband, you know. So it's like, yeah, no, you're, you're shit. I'm not going to treat you. You think I should be nice to you right now? No, you're fucking scum. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I loved her. She was so good in this episode. That was great. But also Willow's interaction with Marsha, I thought, you know, Willow, I think, is an underrated character in Succession. I think, you know, the last she, – she has continuous, continuously impressed me because – like they were talking about in the, in, in the episode of the Connor's wedding, um, you know, he was saying, "Are are you in this for money? Like, are, do you want to leave?" And she was like, kind of, you know, kind of in and out about it. She's like, "Well, you know, the security's nice." Yeah. Uh, but she still stuck with him. So I I think there's more to that romance than I think that's the most real relationship in this show, easily, uh, because fucking. Tom and Shiv, you know, like like a uh, fucking what's his, finished, what, what's yeah. uh, Carl when he was telling Tom uh, when Tom was putting his name forward for CEO or whatever. I can't remember if that was episode three or episode four, but Carl was basically saying like, "Tom, you're fucked, dude. Like nobody, li- <laughs> you don't have any. You don't have nobody anybody. likes you. <laughs> you're only here because uh, you were married to the CEO's." Uh, daughter but now he's dead and she doesn't even fucking like you so (laughs) (laughs) you're fucked uh that relationship's fake uh kendall has not had a meaningful relationship in this show outside of maybe naomi but even you know their brief get together earlier i think in episode one didn't really seem like it meant anything um roman is too fucked up to hold any kind of relationship at all (laughs) And everybody else is just kind of a fucking nobody. But Connor and Willa, like, I, I think, you know, it's not ideal for either of them, but they seem like they're making it. They seem like they're doing pretty well. And Willa, either last season or the season before, there was an episode where she really came to bat for Connor. And she was also the one who told him uh, when uh, Lester was having his funeral, she was like, you know, this guy, uh, if he's, you know, big proven predator, you probably don't want to be saying good things about him at his funeral because that's going to go on record and that's going to hurt your presidential campaign. And then, you know, Connor was like, Oh fuck, that's a good point. Uh, 
so anyway, that was all great. Uh, Greg is proving to be a even Fucking bigger parasite than, than we might have thought. Um, I thought his interaction when when Carrie came back and uh, you know was hysteric and spilled her bag everywhere. Uh, I thought that was fitting because she had basically threatened to ruin his life the episode before and he was just like oh look at this bitch you know <laughs> <laughs> just disgraceful <laughs> and he's he's really kissing marsh's ass because he's trying to make a play because he knows that tom's kind of on the out and logan's not there to uh at least pretend to like him to get back at ewan so uh greg's kind of looking for a home now and and roman kind of honed in on that or he was like hey hey greg we're not your mommy you need to find a new mommy <laughs> you know the, the irony of that coming from roman but <laughs> <laughs> it's so true i didn't pick that up <laughs> that was good um other than that i don't know uh what else uh, you know shiv is a fucking mess like you said earlier she she doesn't have anything going on she she realizes that her position is very unclear now because one, you know, her, her dad's dead. So she can't use that as an in to get more power in the company. Um, her husband hasn't really gone anywhere and they're about to fucking get divorced or something anyway. Yeah. And, uh, like you said, you know, there's this, there's this great scene, um, where Kendall, he, uh, he's told about this piece of paper um early on in the episode where there's a paper that logan hasn't sent out and it's just been in a safe and it's in between a bunch of different documents no one really knows how old it is and of course it's not legally binding because it was never sent to a lawyer or anything uh but on that piece of paper there is text that says uh that he is naming kendall as his successor and it was cool because I didn't know uh, Kendall's middle name was also Logan. That was an interesting little thing to see there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they've ever mentioned that on the show before. Um, and, you know, then Kendall sees the paper and, you know, he goes, wow, it's now my time for succession. And I thought that <laughs> line so was... <laughs> One shot. Shut the fuck up. I thought that line was a little bit much for a show that uh, has very creative writing, but I'll I'll give it to him. Um, but yeah, you know the whole the whole play there is that it's relatively unclear whether it was underlined or crossed out. So before I give a take on that, I want to hear: Do you think that the name Kendall Logan Roy was underlined or crossed out? Uh, I think on that paper, uh, that was a very bad attempt to be crossed out someone fucked it up but they didn't want to like undo it and so so we have to i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna give a little bit of context uh frank jerry and the other guy fucking carl uh, are in the room they're going through that big ass binder and they're like oh found a piece of paper and it says that kendall's gonna be his successor uh yeah we're not gonna let that shit happen because we don't like him and he's been on the he's been on the outs with the company for you know a while uh so they see it it wasn't crossed out and they're going hey would be a shame if this fell into a toilet uh but they know they can't do that because that would just something would go wrong so they're like 
a more realistic thing is to just cross it out. Now, whoever crossed it out fucked it up bad. They they fucked it up, and it was they they didn't cross it out in a great way. So it, I don't know why they presented that it was like underlined or crossed out because I think they might have realized like that it, that that Kendall may go like power hungry and be like it's underlined, it's not crossed out. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think that they really intended to cross it out, but they fucked up and they didn't want to like just scribble it out all together. I think that probably would have been a better opportunity. But as it is on the paper. I'm going to say it's crossed out and they maybe tried to make it look like an old man did it. See, I don't know. I, 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 I can't get on board with that because I think if they, if they were just trying to cross it out, they basically had like, they, they had a good amount of time to, to be able to either turn that line into an X or, you know, do just like you said, scribble it out. Like they had plenty of time. If it was just the three of them didn't want Kendall to take over, they could have done any number of alterations to uh, cast doubt or or make it appear as if Logan had done that. Um, I am. I I don't know if uh, I I think it's it's somewhat likely that they did something to alter the document. Um, I am not, you know, picking up an idea of what they might have done to it because they say something ambiguous uh, before or, or during that scene, because it sounds like they were trying to like make their story while they were saying it. Right, right. You know, they they go through a whole thing where I think Frank discovers uh, the document and he brings Carl in to talk about it. And then Jerry kind of like busts in the room and they have to tell her about it. Um, But there's some ambiguous line that, of course, the succession succession, uh, subreddit pointed out where uh, one of them says something that could either be I don't want like the little princes to mess this up or I don't want the little princess to mess yeah. it up. And it's unclear, you know, whether they're saying princes in terms of, uh, you know, the, the male children or princess in terms of maybe there was a document that said Shiv on it or princess in terms of they're calling Kendall a princess. It's, it's very unclear because they never actually say in the show, uh, while they're you know just discovering that document whose name is actually on it but it is very interesting that um they have this discussion about possibly letting no one see it um but then it turns into let's invite kendall in and 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 let's invite the kids in and tell them all who's who's on this document so it's there's a lot of a vagueness about what that document actually was and if something was done to it or not. But as it stands, um, I like the theory that this was something that Logan did to potentially fuck with Kendall. Um, (laughs) Because I think if I was just judging it based on what it says, I would say it's an underline because you don't start below something to, to cross it out. Yeah. Um, and it goes from from the bottom to the middle, so 
my money would be on this being uh, an underline. But it also seems entirely in Logan's character to make it ambiguous just to fuck with Kendall and just to make him question it and, you know, to see how bad he wants it. Because it's been clear since season one that Kendall was the favorite and that he's he was the one who was meant to take over. But Logan consistently has these doubts in him about whether or not he can do it, whether or not he's good enough for it. And, and you know, Kendall experiences those doubts. And I think this was just sort of one final, uh, if I die, people are going to find this and I'm going to make Kendall work for this. I'm not just going to give it to him. Uh, I'm going to put some doubt in there. I'm going to make him fight some people for it. And, you know, if I can Shiv's reaction to, to seeing that she was the one who pointed out that it's unclear whether it was an underline or, or a cross out. And you could see how hurt Kendall was about that. And he was like, Shiv, like what? Come on. What He's are you like, doing what are you here? doing? <laughs> yeah. Like that was just kind of a fucked up thing to say. Even Roman, he, he, you know, questions it, but his isn't, his question isn't whether it's an underline or a cross out. It's like, well, you know, this is from a long time ago and you've tried to put this guy in jail several times since then. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know about that, but Shiv's reaction. I mean, you know, it was, it was not good. So my money is on an underline. I'll end it with that. I think, um, I think you could definitely see. Cause, I mean, this is that's a big moment too. That's the realization. That's like the final, you know, life realization that you know she's worked how long to get to this point, and Kendall has fucked up how many times and constantly gone for his throat, and he still at some point would have rather had Kendall over Shiv. And I think you can see, especially in the earlier seasons, that that um, that Logan is like especially in the castle episode, you know, the, the one where they have um, that thing where they constantly go in the room and Logan is like, Shiv, this is yours. If you want it, I just don't know if you want it. And I think Shiv probably remembered that and was like thinking that she would be the successor, you know, if she showed even a little bit of interest, because she probably thought, you know, Roman's got all sorts of problems and he's just not, public like public image wise not fit to be it alone Kendall is the oldest and you know in some ways of thinking the rightful heir but he has all those addiction problems killed the guy and is just not you know was at odds with the company for so long and you know at the end of the day probably is not all the way there in terms of leadership so Shiv is complete you know to see that and I think that there is a an element of you know female versus male involved and Shiv is just really really hurt by all of this because she probably thought that she was by far the best candidate for um for taking over the company even if it is just in the short run and that's what they say in all of this is that it's literally just interim they don't want to sell so that they don't have to see each other anymore <laughs> they hate each other at this point which i think is you know great in uh, showing like all of these passengers, like all of these passengers want their freaking payout so that they don't have to see each other anymore. And they can just go fuck off and do something else. And Carl says it even outright. He's like, I want my golden parachute. I want to go. I'm trying to close on a Greek island. <laughs> so, you know, he wants out too. They all want out. They're done. They all want to retire. So I, uh, it's just, it's, I think that, um, I think that you're I think it, if it was a if it wasn't originally underlined or or crossed out or any marked at all, 
I think it may have been a great play on the part of Frank, Carl, and Jerry to add ambiguity to what the document had said already to cause animosity between the crew of, of the, of the, of the children, because I believe it's going to go to a board vote and they probably want one of like, Tom is not going to get it. Like, fuck off, Tom. You're not, you're not involved in the, in the elder tier gang of old people that have been with the company for like 30 some odd 30 to 50 years so it's going to be either one of jerry frank or carl and i think at some point that they're smart enough that they're just going to pick one of them and it's probably going to be frank just because it's the c or what was 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 carl the cfo or was that frank um i think frank was cfo okay because I think that they're just going to follow the traditional like line of thinking. It's temporary anyway, so who cares? And that's just going to be it, you know, until they sell, until they close the deal. Um, but I think that they're just better equipped to win this game versus the kids. And I think that that is... We got four episodes left of this. So I think that there's going to be a lot more politics between these groups. I think Shiv could flip on uh, on the other on the two on Roman and uh, Kendall because I don't understand what this leadership what this like claim is why Roman and Kendall are going to do this together. Could you like explain that to me like on a very so, service level because I don't get it. So I I you know part of the the timeline of the show I'm, I guess because I it's been so long and i actually did rewatch rewatch the whole show before this but it's still a little murky to me uh kendall's exact role within the company at this moment but i know they were co-coos um and maybe kendall being on the outside for a little bit or you know for last season kind of uh changed his position a little bit but Roman definitely was still COO and how it normally goes in, in, you know, corporate structures that the COO is the person next in line. Um, If the CEO either retires or quits or whatever, um, and they don't want to poach for a new CEO, normally the COO is the next person that, that uh, they're like the vice president basically. And um, I think that's, you know, mainly what the what people were looking at. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the the board vote that they were talking about was uh, to put Kendall and Roman in charge, uh, and that's why Kendall was trying to like ask for Stewie's backing there because he mm-hmm. needed somebody to speak for him. Um, and they went through in that whole scene where you know he's on the piece of paper, so that's that's a good thing. And you know Roman's COO, so maybe that you know when Kendall was talking about that, maybe that let you know a little bit uh let people know that he was still kind of on the outs but shiv you know when you're talking about she's worked so hard for this or whatever i think they kind of you know both point out that she really has not done much for the company like she's more of an outsider than kendall is she spent most of her career in politics and then did something uh the strategic review or whatever mm-hmm. for the company and kendall was like yeah well you know that's that's daddy make work like that's your dad giving you some work to do at the company to get you into the company like that doesn't really count and roman's on his side too he's like well 
you know, you, you really don't have any sort of corporate experience here. Um, so I think it's absolutely right that she gets left out of this because she is an outsider. She does not have any sort of, you know, the kind of experience that they might do it where uh, Kendall and Roman have both been through the management training. Kendall's, I think, was before the show started and Roman's was in between a couple of seasons. But Shiv doesn't really have any sort of corporate experience like that. Um, so they're Kendall and Roman are co-CEOs right now. Um, at least until the deal is done. And then I actually don't understand what's supposed to happen after that. If, if the board's going to vote for new people or if Matson's going to take over as CEO and appoint the COO or whatever, I, I don't really know how that goes. But, but I think um, if, I, I know I think uh, Carrie or not Carrie, um, Jerry and Carl and Frank, I think they're definitely forming a sort of old guard triumvirate to try and uh, box the kids out and and make sure that they are the people who are sort of set to to manage things. Um, and the kids sort of have their own triumvirate going where Connor's like you said, he's just a passenger. He's just out somewhere on the side. Um, but I also do hear what you're saying about Shiv. I think her and Tom are going to have a partnership that might actually even be a healthier relationship going forward because the thing that's kind of fucked with them to this point is the power imbalance where at first, you know, Shiv was holding all the cards in the relationship and that's what she liked and that's what she was comfortable with. And Tom was okay, you know, kind of jumping along for the ride there because it got him a good position at a at a good company and he's some fucking Midwestern farm boy and made it into big corporate America. Um, but afterwards, you know, after the kids made their play against Logan last season, Tom's been in the better position and he's been the one in power and Shiv can't deal with that. Tom would be fine with it probably because he actually, I think he does actually love Shiv, but the relationship just doesn't work that way. So I could see them and Greg, getting together as another triumvirate. So I think we're going to have this war of triumvirates basically happening. Um, Kendall and Roman and I don't know, Stewie, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they're just a duo going at this, but I think it all kind of depends on, um, you know, the, the, the big team structure that we get into going into the last few episodes here kind of depends on how you interpret what Kendall did at the end of this episode. So maybe you can get into that. Um, I'm going to say first and foremost, if Greg is part of any attempting triumvirate at the head, um, I'm rooting against them. I don't want them to win. <laughs> Fuck Greg. <laughs> One shot. Um, but could you say, what, what were you asking? So I was asking, you know, the 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 team ups that are the teams that are going to come together coming into the last yeah. four episodes of this show. Kind of, I think they depend on how you interpret what Kendall did at the end of this episode and and the possible consequences of that. Um, I like like I've said before about Kendall. I think he's a fuckhead. I think he is pretty unintelligent when it comes to. Uh, the long game in business. I think he's very good at the short game, but I don't think that the long game is very good. I don't think he's going to win. And yeah, I do think that he's pushing Shiv out, that him and Roman have pushed Shiv out. 
Um, whether it's completely honest or not, I do think it's pretty honest. Um, you know, she is far more valuable as a um, political manager of the company than the, um, you know, than, than to be in the corporate leadership of it. I think she'd be pretty bad at it too um, because of the lack in leadership. She doesn't really uh, have a, cleaner grasp at what's going on with the company with ATN and a lot of other stuff and she gets corrected a lot by by Roman or Kendall and I think that's you know pretty accurate for what her experience is um but I think as far as the triumph you know what Kendall's doing yeah I think he's putting himself into a box he's dragging along Roman he thinks he's dragging along Stewie but Stewie's like oh whatever I don't fucking care um Really, at the end of the day, I I don't. Uh, and he's also dragging along Hugo. We have to talk about that <laughs> fucking stupid ass Hugo. <laughs> he's like, yeah, um, my daughter uh, kind of fucked up and uh, sold a bunch of Waystar stock and or Royco stock or whatever it is. And uh, she, <laughs> and he's like, I'm fucked, aren't I? And Kendall's like, well, did you call her on the day of? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and then he's, then that that like walk away. He's like, Hugo, good luck, or or something along those lines. It was fucking hilarious. And now he's got Hugo blackmailed, um, you know, to follow him. So I don't know that he'll be a really powerful, um, ad not adversary. Sorry, powerful like tool in his toolbox for uh, Kendall, but I think that it's another vote um, because now it's I mean, now Hugo's at his thumb. I mean, and, and I think Hugo's got a little bit of worth, but not a whole lot, you know, not as much as Frank, you know, Jerry and whatever, but it's something. And honestly, he's going to need everything he can um, to really get this deal through and, uh, you know, kind of keep Rome from collapsing for lack of a better lack of a better term. And I really think that that's what's going to happen. I think I don't think you're going to really see a concisive end. I think this is Rome collapsing. Um, you know, it's kind of it's I think that that's going to be the end result of the show, the end theme. You know, once you once you lose a powerful leader that creates the good times, then you have a lot of stupid leaders creating a lot of bad times and it's just going to fall. It's just going to completely, you know, kind of road and you're just going to see a weak ending they probably close the deal but they probably get fucked like they probably get fucked by madsen and um that's what you're going to see at least in my opinion yeah yeah and um so just to make sure i'm not being a dumbass the the thing that he has over hugo is basically like uh what, what i i guess i'm a little lost on how that how him telling about it, how Tim, him telling his daughter about Logan dying kind of fucks him because it would be some kind of insider trading thing, right? It absolutely is insider trading. So you remember when uh, you know they showed uh, in episode three, he's like, "That's dad," and it's a picture of the phone, and and Royco is down like uh, like twenty five percent. Yeah. So basically, she like Hugo she told sold his daughter, that, yeah, yeah, she sold she sold before that, knowing that Logan had died. And that's big time insider trading, uh, especially okay. when you have a relative working at the company. Um, she, I, I mean, if and the thing is, is that it's not it's not like it's monitored all the time. I think something like that big of a scale would definitely throw off some alerts. But you really have to get tipped like the SEC has to get tipped that there was a big 
scale of insider trading. But I mean, realistically, it seems like the show is like painting that the SEC needs to be tipped off, something like that. Personally, I think that would fucking throw up a red flag in real life. Like the daughter of someone that's an executive at at the company, you know, selling before their fucking big time epic conglomerate ceo man dies like give me a fucking break i mean that shit would she would get arrested she'd be in a freaking police car that day in my opinion um so why why would hugo even tell kendall this like what does he what does he gain out of telling kendall this i I think he wanted like an out somehow i don't know that's like you know the way to go about it i really have no clue why he told kendall other than like can you help me out like maybe you guys have dealt with this before like or 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 maybe it's like a not a conflict of interest, but like uh what's the word? Throwing out like a hey, this could come up. I don't want it to be a surprise, but this is possibly coming. Um you know, and then it was like a how do I avoid fucking jail kind of question. Um I think it was right, more just right. like giving him a I little guess... bit of notice. Yeah, maybe some of it was him kind of feeling like Kendall is basically the one in charge at this point with Logan dead and, you know, at least de facto the, the leader. Yeah. And he was trying to, you know, get a, get something good in there for a quick minute. But it just seems like if that kind of thing happened, if I was Hugo right there, I would, I'd be like, bro, she's just, maybe she just had a spidey sense, bro. I don't fucking know. Like <laughs> prove it, prove that I said something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, on it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know just about dumb that one. Move that... <laughs> I don't know about that one, but yeah. I Unless, you know, may, maybe on a rewatch or something, something will come up. But I, I think that could have been, you know, just kind of like a writer's convenience kind of thing. And I, I hope it's not because I respect the writers of this show so much, but we'll see. Um, but I do think you're right in that. This this show's not gonna have a happy ending. Like no one's just gonna win. It's not yeah. that kind of show. And I think we're gearing into some some tough shit where Shiv definitely is gonna form some sort of uh, confrontational or adversarial group to Roman and Kendall because yeah, she's been pushed out. She's not in on this, and she knows she knows her family and knows that like this is not gonna go well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kendall going behind Roman's back here because what had happened was they had the meeting with Carolina and was Hugo in that room? Was it somebody else? I can't remember exactly who, uh, uh, but they were. Yeah, I think he was. Okay. They, they were talking about how do you guys want to play this after your dad's dead? Because when Logan was in charge, we spun every media story to benefit him. So now that you two are in charge how do you want us to play this? We can we can put some stuff out there about Logan being a terrible dad and about, you know, you guys make, you know, him not being all the way there at the end of the company and the kids being the ones who really made the decisions yeah. or, you know, we can kind of lay off it. And uh, the decision that they had made together was let's not really go down that route. Like, let's, let's do this clean. Uh, but Kendall uses his leverage over Hugo to say, no, put all that stuff out there. And also, uh, make sure that my name is not anywhere fucking near this. Uh, otherwise, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. And I am interested in seeing how this is going to shake out because this is Kendall 
really kind of a lot of people are seeing it as him making the kind of play that Logan would make in this situation. And Kendall himself even sees it as how Logan would play this situation. Uh, I think he's right about that. I think Logan is the type of person who would play every little piece of leverage that he has. Uh, But at the same time, Logan was the only person in charge and Kendall is sharing that in chargeness with Roman and him going behind Roman's back and making a decision like this. I don't know how that's going to play in these next couple episodes. So maybe, maybe every sibling ends up on a different team. Maybe Roman and Jerry end up teaming up again and Kendall. Has his crew and, <laughs> I need it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, we're, we're in a good setup for these next four episodes to be really just, entertaining balls to the walls television where nothing is off guards and i'm entirely excited for it i think as long as they don't absolutely drop the fucking ball uh this these next few episodes will cement succession as another one of hbo's great shows up there with you know probably in that boardwalk tier it's not going to be sopranos or wire tier even though i actually like succession more than i like the sopranos but it's not going to be in that tier of like absolute classic television i think it's going to submit itself in that second tier classic television i i was going to say like hidden gem but i don't even i think that's a disservice to both shows in the board boardwalk and uh succession tier but yeah they both are lacking the gigantic critical acclaim for whatever reason you know boardwalks is retrospectively the popularity of game of thrones but uh, i don't know that you know, Succession is hitting that top tier, um, which is whatever. I don't really, I don't particularly care about that or like ratings or whatever. But yeah, it's totally in that in the upper echelon of of very, very, very great shows. Um, and yeah, I'm thankful for it. I did, I, I did want to note too. I didn't realize it at first, but the very first scene is Kendall walking in and Hugo's on the phone. He's like, I'm getting fucked with a strap mm-hmm. on. And I was just laughing because it's funny, typical succession crudeness. And then I realized at the very end when when uh, Kendall said, I'm going to fuck you with a strap on, that that's who he was on the phone with. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't even pick it up when he told Kendall, like, yeah, my daughter fucked up bad. Um, but that was hilarious. It was a great tie-in from the very beginning to the very end of the episode. Right. So maybe that's sort of why Hugo ended up coming to Kendall at that is because Kendall was walking by when that conversation happened and Kendall already knew something was up. Uh, so that could that could explain it. I still think it's got sort of a weird decision. Um, yeah. But Yeah, that's all fair. I'm totally on board, though. Next four episodes are probably... I think that there are. Uh, I think that there's going to be at least one more nine point nine or higher episode left, and right. that will and be very actually. Good. So it it is ten episodes. It is a ten episode season. Oh, okay. Yeah, I should have scrolled. <laughs> Literally had a page <laughs> up on my fucking computer. Uh, we got. I have the titles of the next three episodes now that I'm looking it up. Uh, episode five, which comes out. The Sunday is called Kill List. Uh, episode six is called Living Plus. And episode seven is called Tailgate Party. So I'm excited hmm. to see what these are going to be. Those, those are very ambiguous titles, which I think, you know, all these episodes so far 
have had fairly ambiguous titles. Uh, first one, like I said, the Munsters. Okay, that's not really telling you anything about what's going to happen there. Rehearsal. Okay, that's kind of about Connor's wedding, I guess. Connor's wedding, literally about Connor's wedding, but also that episode is not really about Connor's wedding. And then honeymoon states, which is just based on a throwaway Willow line. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that fucking title. It's terrible. I love it's, it. I think it's great. It is. It was a very funny line, but I think choosing that as a title, I'm like, okay, why? Like, this is silly. I don't. I don't think it was a good title for the episode. But as a line, I was laughing pretty hard because <laughs> it's his first stupid ass political tour. So he's touring the the Midwest, the Upper Midwest. And uh, Willow's like, yeah. I could not take this more. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, would, I thought that was hilarious. Her physical disgust for Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Pennsylvania. No, oh, and Pennsylvania. Maybe I missed it. But yeah, those are the three states I remember. Pennsylvania. Yeah, not a honeymoon state by any fucking means. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you also see the thing where... Uh... Vanity Fair uh, had reported as 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 part of her uh, as part of her divorce settlement from Rupert Murdoch, uh, Jerry Hall, which was his his wife, I guess. She was uh, barred from contacting Succession producer with ideas for storylines. <laughs> wow, Rupert Murdoch is fucking mad. <laughs> He's so mad. Speaking, uh, of, yo, speaking, of Rupert Murdoch, could, speaking of Rupert Murdoch, speaking of Rupert Murdoch, blown the fuck out. You're, uh, you hear about Dominion? A Fox yeah. News has to pay Dominion, I think, eight hundred million dollars. I heard about that. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a, a, a quick, a quick, uh, quick break request in, so I can, so I can get a new drink. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> Good topic to do it, but yeah, sure. Five minutes. <laughs> I'll, I'll put in some, some hold music here.
back yet. Damn, he's making the fanciest drink of all time. Making the Whiskey sour is done. No, no. So actually, that would have been a good one to make right now. But uh, yeah. So you noticed that I did not. Uh, I didn't. I didn't crack anything for this show. No. And it's because I'm. I'm trying to get back on my cocktail game. Uh, I'd, I'd taken a little bit of a break for a while because I felt like I got kind of disillusioned with the whole thing and my creativity was lacking and uh, it just started to to not be an enjoyable thing to do. Um, but it was also like the same reason I, I didn't do a lot of cooking for a while was it was just like, I, I don't have the energy for this shit right now. I got too much shit going on. Um, but I decided I wanted to get back into the cocktail game and I wanted to start by uh, working on some of the basics. I wanted to get, you know, get really down to the basics, same way that I did with the cooking where I've been, uh, I actually started messing with like different rice and beans recipes for a while because I'm like, I just need to do something simple, but I need to do something where I can pick up on the differences that certain ingredients make and I can adjust it very easily. And it won't feel like I made this whole thing that, you know, I spent all this money on the ingredients for, and it came out like mediocre, you know? So that's something I wanted to do there. And I've been doing it with cocktails too, where, um, earlier before the show, I actually made a margarita and, I've never been big on margaritas, honestly, and I think I don't know why. Uh, it seems like a lot of women, especially, really like them. Um, but I'd never made one at home before, and I think that made a big difference because I tried, you know, like the frozen margaritas or whatever out at bars a couple of times, and they just they're just so sweet and and so sticky and not enjoyable, but. Making one at home with like fresh squeezed lime juice, actually pretty good, dude. Actually pretty good. Nice. I uh, so, I need to get in my, I need to get back on the cocktail game. I feel like it's a, uh, I feel like I'm totally. If the only way that I can like consume alcohol in a healthy way is either through like social peer pressure to not have a whole lot, or to like put in a whole fucking lot of effort to like where I will not want to make anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's also part of it is where uh, normally if I was drinking beer, that was fine. But if I was drinking liquor, I would just be drinking liquor. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, getting into some cocktails, it's like I can put something together. It feels like making a whole dish and it'll be something that I'll want to just kind of like sip slow and whatnot. Um, so I also had a Manhattan right before the show or that was the first drink I had during the show. That was a good one. I like that one. That's probably one of my mm-hmm. favorites, like the the classic drinks. Um, I have like a log I'm keeping. I tried a, a martini um, last, like over the weekend. Not good. I think I just don't like martinis. I don't know who decided that that was a good drink, but I don't think I want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm just having an old-fashioned. And how do you like your old-fashions? Are you a bourbon guy or a rye guy? Uh, I like... I like both, but I probably prefer bourbon. I had some good old fashions that have good amount of bitters. And then uh, mostly the the fruit of choice, if you're going to add a fruit to 
to an old fashioned is definitely blackberry and uh that's a that's a fucking slam dunk i think i have never had a an old fashioned with a blackberry in it so i guess i need to try that mm-hmm. um I did this one with bourbon, and not like good bourbon. It's with Evan, but I like it with rye better. I think an old-fashioned with a bourbon is just kind of like too sweet for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it. It's good, but I'd rather have a little bit of kick in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, off that tangent, you brought up this Fox News Dominion case. Mm-hmm. I saw that uh it ended up getting settled and i think it was like 900 something million settlement 787 million dollars okay so a little little more than three quarters of a billion dollars i do not blame dominion for taking that money i think that if that were me in that situation or not if it were me if it were my company in that situation where uh, my whole purpose is 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 Dominion public? Are they a publicly traded company? Uh, Dominion like like voting? I don't think so because I I always heard of Dominion and I thought of Dominion Energy. Um, but no, this is Dominion Voting Systems. Uh, I don't think they're public. They're not publicly traded, so I think they're mostly so do, a private company. Right? Do they still? again have uh you know financial obligations to their to like shareholders i don't i don't exactly know how this kind of thing works i mean trying to oh they're a private company yeah i mean they they probably still well you mean like a fiduciary uh what do you call it fiduciary obligation like to you know you know to make the most money for their share price uh probably not but i think that they you know they are probably still bound to you know decisions and pub- privately uh, giving them to their you know not investors but you know shareholders um that the, this is what the company wants to do and this is why they they probably still give reports they might not be obligated to okay. but it's a best practice yeah so as i would say as a company whose purpose uh, which which may in some way be legally vulnerable is to make as much money as possible. Um, I don't blame them for for deciding on this settlement, but it's a little disappointing. It's a little disappointing to see them settle. This is something I got out of uh, Goliath at that Amazon Prime show that I, I really like that I think should be also be in that like second tier of great shows, but uh, just not enough people have have gotten into um, all so so many important cases just end up getting settled. And what happens when these cases get settled is that uh, certain facts do not come out to the public. And for something, uh, I guess it it. It depends on how you want to look at it, because there's one lens where you could look at it and say that, okay, yes, uh, you know, Fox News knew that they were lying about, or, or at least making uninformed allegations about this company, um, and that that's evident from the fact that there was a settlement that uh, they knew that 
if it had gone to trial that they would have been found guilty or whatever in this case and that would have been out there for everybody um and now they can you know say that oh we acknowledge wrongdoing or whatever but there's no guilty verdict so there's no history to it and there's no you know certain spicy facts that might have gone to the public so you know it's always in the defendant's interest uh in these moments of guilt to settle so I, I think, uh, you know, there's something that is said about this settlement where if whatever company owns Fox News, Fox Corporation, I don't know if that's exactly its name, um, you know, if, if they're willing to settle for 780 some million dollars, then obviously they know that like this is not good for them and that they would be found guilty. But at the same time, I think if you're Dominion, it's like you had a chance to put these fuckers on blast. You know, you had a real chance to to let everybody know that, yes, they're full of shit. Yes, they're saying a bunch of shit that's full of shit and you didn't take it. And that's disappointing. That's really disappointing because I'm someone who lives to see, uh, you know, any sort of entity that's out just spreading a blatant bullshit that they are spreading blatant bullshit. Um, but, you know, they didn't do it. They chose the money and. Like I said, like I get it, company trying to make money, sure, but disappointing, disappointing choices. I uh, I do. I think that the biggest takeaway is that you know how hard it is to get a guilty verdict on defamation. It is. I don't. One of the hardest, like defamation, is is a very subjectively defined. Uh, in the at least in the court of law, it's a very subjectively defined um, crime. I guess we'll just say crime. It is notoriously one of the hardest things to prove because of the wide range of interpretation of the First Amendment. Um, so I'm going to say the biggest takeaway is that the that Fox News was willing to settle this case is the biggest egg on their face that they fucked this up really bad, <laughs> really, really bad. And that they listened to the big orange man and they just did what they, they reported what they basic, what he told them to. And they, they really messed up in doing that. This is, and of course they could just do it so that they're avoiding trial for the reasons that you talked about, but maybe they're not even, you know, maybe that's part of it. Maybe they're more concerned about the shit that's in trial versus, um, versus like, um, you know, an actual guilty verdict, um, in which in that case, yeah, I can see them trying to settle this really bad, but defamation is so, is like such a, as such a hearsay it's it's almost on the level of hearsay for like trying to prove like there's plenty of defamation suits that are like laughed out of court. Um, one of them was uh was was in the sporting world. It was the recent Brett Favre. One basically some some public icon called Brett Favre a fucking total dipshit loser 
for stealing all of the money from Mississippi's welfare fund. And then Brett Favre tried to sue him for defamation. And the judge is just like, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? You are such a bozo for even bringing this to my attention. Um, at least that's like what the common thought, if that still has to happen. Um, but that is like total, like a, a, a case of defamation. Like they're totally most, for the most part, just brought on for, um, you know, the settlement payouts. But I don't think that this was the intended case for a settlement payout. They would have totally been willing to um, to drag this on and take it to trial if an exorbitant amount of money was not offered. And, you know, because this is the media. Yeah, that was offered. And I think the biggest thing, the biggest funny part about this is, is that like really like Twitter conservatives have constantly said like, Oh, look at like fucking Kyle Rittenhouse and like all these other people that are going to get paid massive amounts of money for their defamation suit. And then Fox News takes the biggest fucking L <laughs> of all time. Like, this is just the funniest shit, I think. Um, yeah, Fox News comes out looking really sad. And it's this, this is all just like pushing people away. I guess it's just, I think it's just silly at this point. But yeah, that, those are my complete thoughts. I just brought it up because you said freaking, you said Rupert Murdoch and he was in the news today for his company taking a near $1 billion hit. So yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. Yeah. Like D- Dominion, I guess they, they were seeking 1.6 billion in damages and, and Fox was like, all right, uh, okay. You know, that's half fucking silly. We're not doing that, but we'll give you just about half of that. If you let this shit go. <laughs> um, and you know, yeah, as a company, you're making a lot of people, a lot of money. If you can get fucking $800 million mm-hmm. out of, for just being like, Oh, you're a fucking liar. And we will prove that you're a fucking liar. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, good, good play, good play for the company, but still, I, I mean, I know there was a lot of people like on Twitter and shit, there was some hashtag about like, don't settle Dominion, don't do it, please, don't do it, don't do it. And I, I, I do, I share that sentiment, like, put the, put the shit on blast. Come on, let, let the public know exactly all the bullshit that Fox News is doing, but no. No, they, they took the money, so it is what it is. Yeah, I think it's disappointing, too. But, fuck that shit. Wait, wait, before before we get what? out of this, what? before we get out of this, one thing, this is just another uh, a, a, another example of of the, the sort of uh, bleeding through of um, reality and fiction uh, in, this, in this very... Uh, political story that involves you know certain figures like ron watkins his big QAnon guy um the director of product strategy and security his name is eric coomer <laughs> literally coomer you can't make this shit up you yeah, can't make it up seen, i saw that online and i'm just like jesus christ <laughs> stupid ass name <laughs> It's it's you know one of those things where people like to say uh, there's there's a glitch in the simulation or whatever where the shit's just too much of a coincidence like come on <laughs> come on <laughs> it'd be insane. funny if he was like the press guy that was giving the press briefings and it's like hey this is Eric Coomer <laughs> people would just be like all right I don't believe this is real anymore this is all fictitious written up and it's all bullshit. 
Yeah, that would be funny. People people online would be like, yeah, this is fucking stupid. I don't care anymore. But anyway, politics is in, politics hour is over. It's music time, baby. It's music time. Music time 2023. Uh I listened to three albums this week, and I think you only listed one, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, kind of roll. Hold these. on, hold on oh, there a, a hot oh, damn second, oh, young man. Oh, oh, uh I listened oh. to two albums. Okay, week. great. <laughs> one of them <laughs> one of them was the one that I did send you, but another one was actually one that was on your list because oh. uh, my friend Zephyr had mentioned that album a while ago, or at least that band. And uh I was like, okay, you know what? Now this is on the radar. Fuck it, I'll listen to it. So that's that's what I want to start out here with. I want you to talk about this this Wednesday album called okay. Rat Saw God. What did you think of that one? Um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I think that there were aspects that I liked a lot, and uh, I think that there were some aspects. Like early on, it's kind of slow. I think after Bold Believer, uh, you get those nice female screams. Uh, we like we like girls screaming here. Um. On the show, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think after that it was pretty pretty boring. I, I think that Got Shocked and Formula One were kind of low energy, not really a uh, you know not really loving the melancholy stuff that I kind of got from it. Uh, I think Chosen to Deserve started off kind of weird. It had a had a little too much of a, like a gospely feel to it, um, just on the on just the tempo and the rhythm of, of the arrangement. Um, but then I think Bath County and Quarry were in my top two uh, for what song I was going. I did initially put on Bath County and then I, I changed my mind and then I picked Quarry to put on. Uh, but both of those songs are an absolute jam. Uh, Turkey Vultures was really good too. Uh, and then it kind of played out, slow play out. But I think overall, just like the album as a whole, I thought it was pretty decent. I don't think it was excellent at all. Um, but I liked I liked the vocalist a lot. I think that she was really really good. I think that it was there was a lot of energy in this, but I don't think that the songwriting was as mature across the board as I would have liked. And um, I I don't know. People are really raving over Bull Believer as like one of the you know top twenty songs of the year. Um, yeah, it's I think it's 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 great, um, but I don't think it's that I don't think it's that high. Uh, I, I gave it a like a decent three out of five, um, but I think that you know maybe on further listens I'd like it more. But I don't. I think that it was one of the better works that I've listened to this year. If if you're gonna if you're gonna like cut my threes in half, I think this is definitely in the top half, maybe in the top quarter of all of them. So yeah, I I just wish that there was a lot more for me on it, but. The, some of those individual songs are just an absolute jam, and I really like that. So, what do you think? So, you're, that's your final answer? You're giving it a three? Three out of five? Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, here's the thing. I I actually agree with a lot of what you said about this. Uh, vocals are easily the highlight, but look, if I want 2012-era Francis Quinlan, I'm going to listen to 2012-era Francis Quinlan. This is some, some bullshit uh, pseudo hop along vocals that <laughs> they're 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 the best thing here, but at the same time, like somebody already did this exact same thing, but a lot better eleven years ago. So what the fuck are you still doing doing this? Uh, I 
this is a decent album. This was a decent album. I'd heard some great things about it. I, it was pitched to me as sort of like a, a country shoegaze noise rock album, and I feel like it it really fell flat on like all those notes. I think this is this is an indie rock album first and foremost, and it gets kind of kind of loud and kind of noisy sometimes, but it never never really feels like noise rock, and it doesn't get shoegazy enough. Like there's not yeah there's there's two kind of ways you can do shoegaze. One of them is, you know, the whole we have a bunch of fucking pedals where we're going to mess with your whole perception of time and space with these pedals. And that's great. And then some of it is just, OK, we're going to be really goddamn loud and ma- there's going to be distortion and reverb and that might be it. But it's going to create this texture that's amazing. And that's valid, too. I don't think this really dipped into either of those too much i think sometimes it did that second category where it got kind of loud for periods of time but the texture still just were not that interesting so good good on rym for getting shoegaze as a secondary here not as a primary i don't even know if i'd put noise rock as a primary uh it's 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 not that noisy of a record and even when it does get kind of noisy it feels like the production holds it back a little bit where uh it 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 all feels overly compressed and and somebody somebody made a comment here where i'm trying to uh scroll up to find this person's comment because i was reading some of these while i was at work today and i i can't find it right now but uh their their whole point was that like okay it's 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 supposed to sound like that here we go i found it this is as light train or a slight rain. It's probably a slight rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds better. Um, on April 10th, this person said, I think some people may be missing the point in the way this is mixed. The instrumental compression, for instance, is meant to convey an overbearing sense of suffocation, loneliness, and insignificance as a backdrop to the lives that are narrated in the songs. And I didn't leave a comment here because this is a pretty active box and I don't want to get jumped on. Uh, but it's the whole, like, it sounds bad because it's supposed to sound bad. is not a good defense. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> like it still sounds bad. So I don't care about what the fuck it means. If this is not like my, the point is to listen to this. And if it sounds bad, then it just sounds bad. Even if it's supposed to sound bad, not a good touch. Uh, like you're saying, the songwriting here, not too interesting. There's not a lot going on. There's a lot of very like kind of simple chord punk stuff, but because the, the the vocals want to have so much emotion in them and want to tell these stories, it it sounds like somebody wrote this shit for like some quote unquote singer songwriter type stuff and then just added instruments on top of that when it's like, no, you fucked with the formula and now it's not good. Um there's not a lot of country here either. There's a little bit of twang on a couple of tracks that I picked up, but not enough to really make me uh, pay a lot of attention to it. And um, I think I did like a riff in Chosen to Deserve. That's that's the only thing I really remember is that there was like some little bass lick uh, that that might have been on the on the hook there that kind of got me to turn my turn my ear and go, oh, what song am I listening to right now? Um, I've been neglectful of the playlist recently. So I, I haven't added anything from the past couple of weeks there, but if I had to pick one, you know, just off the one list and I gave this, I would pick that one. Um, but you know, when your noise rock album makes me sleepy, 
or when you're you, you should be noise rock album makes me sleepy that's a bad sign that's a really bad sign and nothing here was like i need to turn this off right now and i never got annoyed with it but for the hype that this is getting uh i will say this is exactly what i expect from an rym praised rock album in 2023 where it's just bland it's just bland it's yeah. just very bland and i i get what they're going for here and maybe the earlier works are better i don't have anything against the artist wednesday in particular um and and i've seen some good things about the earlier works but this was just not an interesting album and whatever sort of half-baked fusion of genres they did here i don't think it works too well so i'd give it a 2.5 mm-hmm. i'd say this is something that exists and you know sure people like it fine i'm not mad i'm not here to tell anybody their taste of shit for liking this i just kind of wish they would like better music 2.5 i think uh i think i'm pretty much ready to be over the uh the lo-fi trend the, the you know lo-fi or or kind of like very um you know not vanilla not bland but basically put together in a basically as an adverb mm-hmm. um i'm i'm kind of over it i want to hear some more maximalist music some shit that where people are actually trying you know trying to do something unique and different and you know i, I want an entire sonic experience and yeah, a lot of the music that's come out since 2016, 2018 has been more of the um, lesser, I don't know, like like trying to do a lot more with less. That's been a very common theme for a lot of stuff since then. And yeah, I'm kind of over it. Like I did like a number of the songs on this. But yeah, I don't. Honestly, I didn't even like. I didn't even like "Chosen One" or "Chosen." uh, "Chosen Deserve." Um, That kind of just fell in the slog. I think honestly, there's there's probably four and a half good songs on here, and yeah, the rest of them are very forgettable. But yeah, I I I echo what you say about the rest of them. So. I'm gonna yeah. go into I'm gonna go into one more album or unless hey, you have one, something else. One more comment here. Yeah. One more comment here, really quickly. Uh, Bull Believer, that's been the one that has gotten a lot of attention. It's, it's a bolded single right now. It's got a 4.09. Um, I I do like that song. I see what they were going for there. But what really bothers me about it is that at the end, when they're in like the big emotional climactic moment, and um, Katie Hart's Carly Hartsman, sorry. Uh, the vocalist here sort of gets into like some very intense screaming and stuff, which I think you mentioned as well. Yeah. Um, it just gets so buried. It gets so buried in the mix. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I'm like, this is your big emotional moment. Hit me with it. Do not, do not leave it back there. Like you're out here screaming on this track. Fucking put it in the forefront, throw it at me, really hit me with that emotion. Once you bury it in the mix like that, it, it doesn't have as much impact. It, it barely has any impact. It just sounds like something that's happening in, in a, in a like two rooms away from where the band is playing and not in a good way, not in like a super reverbed out way. Just, it, it, it's just like, it, it sounds scared to me. It sounds scared of putting in some noise that some listeners might find somewhat offensive. Yeah. When you need to go for it. In moments like that, you need to go for it. It was the same thing that bothered me so much about Dimensional Bleed last year which ended up on my top 10, as you know, 
where the very intense vocals were so far in the background where I'm like, this is the point where you're supposed to like reach that big emotional climax and fucking take the crowbar to my head here. I want to be knocked out. I want you to hit me so hard with these vocals that I'm left on the floor wondering how will I ever recover from this? And when you don't do that, when you leave it in the mix and you bury it so deep in there, it it has no effect. It just has no effect. And I, I feel so underwhelmed that an eight minute song built up to that. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, when I heard the screaming, I, I was, you know, yeah, it felt like it was put in there, but in a safe way. And yeah, then you get a really safe ending, like kind of a, kind of an exhale, uh, 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 an unfortunate exhale of, of boredom because I I would have liked a lot more if it was put in the forefront. I think it has to be some sort of streamlined, you know, a lot of the bands use the same mixing, you know, whether it's a company or studio and they're trying to go for a certain sound and, you know, there are just, you know, similar best practices. And if, if it wants to be somewhat radio friendly and i'm by radio friendly i mean like college radio friendly or like you know the second level of radio that's not you know whatever top 40 whatever's being broadcast but like if you want to be in that second level radio friendly shit that gets played on like npr or something or yeah then you're gonna have to go for the safe <laughs> sound like uh so yeah it's it, I, I i i agree i thought it was very unfortunate and boring but uh speaking of somewhat unfortunate albums i've got a uh, the second one uh, is from a band in chile chile called uh, called chini.png uh, i think it's a really shitty <laughs> name um personally but um yeah this is a this is a this is either a duo or a solo uh work uh but it is by a female in in chile it is called el dia libre de polox which uh translates to polox's day off um this was this was a 54 minute long album that is the artsy little bit of noise this is like one step above wise blood in spanish with a little bit of noise thrown in and i this is like like what you had said about the the genres all being mashed together yeah, you're great. You've you've hit a lot of subgenres that you can get on your album tag. Uh, none of them are like dedicated. None of these subgenres feel like they're dedicated to it. Like this is just a hodgepodge of noise. Uh, I gave this a a, a hot point five um, because I was not overly. Okay, uh, I'm sorry, a hot what? Two point five. Okay, uh, it kind of came across I, as a point five there. <laughs> <laughs> I was not like overly thrilled with anything. I think that there were. There was a real, there was some really good wordplay on No Meetus, Less Palabras. Um, you get a lot of good, like, because of the, and I've talked about this enough, but the linguistic style of Spanish, you can really do a lot more from a vocal perspective. Um, same goes for Italian, same goes for French. Linguistically good languages, um, you can do a lot more for, with wordplay. Um, she kind of turned up the tempo on that song. Uh, Cinta Blanca was another great song. Turned up the tempo on that and uh, got some really good wordplay. I think the song that I had put in on the playlist was... I want to make sure I get this right. I was between a few. I put in Loop. Uh, Loop is... 
I think it's on the back half of this. It's in the middle part of this album. Um, actually got one of the lower ratings on the uh, on the chart. But this was a really good song. I think it was nice and short. Has some kind of like those radio in radioed in vocals that um, you know. I think that's part of like the theme of the song. You know, calling it loop is that you have you know radioed in vocals and then you have the forefront vocals. Um, I loved the drum kicks on this. Very good and sh- you know very good short drum kicks and then you know hitting bar and bar and bar and it all sounds really good. I think the vocal delivery was great on this. And um, yeah, this was just a nice little happy song. Um, probably some of the peak, probably one of the peaks on this album, you know, and just being a nice, short, happier song that's very radio friendly. Um, yeah, I would have put that or No Minas Las Palabras. Uh, Venenos is another good one. Um, but a lot of other styles are hit, or a lot of other songs are hitting on styles that have just been beat to death by the female singer songwriter, you know, art rock sphere um yeah once again i didn't find anything super unique on it but and it was a lot of lo-fi sounds that i already expressed distaste with earlier in this episode of the drive-by um so yeah i gave this a 2.5 um if you're looking for something that's you know just in another language then this is something that you can try and throw on and find something in but i think you're gonna be if if the last album put you to sleep this one will probably put you into sleep too. But yeah, a lot of similar stuff, a lot of similar complaints with this album versus the last one. But there are some highs. I think that there are some nice stuff in Spanish that you can hear on here. So yeah, 2.5. Sorry, Chile. I like Chile as a country. It's the it's the stick, you know. You know, we like the we like the stick of Chile, the shape of Chile. Um but yeah, this this wasn't that great. Chile, great country. Um, I think uh, it might have the the longest coastline of any countries I know. Uh, it, it might be of any like country, yeah. Actually, but but I'm not 100 percent sure about that. I've known some good people from Chile too. Good country. I respect it. Um, so what you uh, got? That was also where uh, that was also where. One of the one of the CIA's uh, least least well loved expeditions oh, yeah. went out too. I'm uh, surprised they're not, that they're not done there. I mean, maybe they're not, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think after after uh, after Pinochet, he was he was Chile, right? Pinochet. Yeah. Yeah, after that, it was like, uh, maybe, maybe we're going a little bit too hard in South America. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, next one I got. This one, I, I actually was, I was, I was curious about. Uh, this is an artist who who goes by the name Lavar the Star, and I wasn't entirely sure who this was when it actually popped up on my feed of um of upcoming albums or or releases and uh, i had to click on it to figure it out and there apparently was actually a, a good deal of mystery about who this was when it was first coming up but it turns out that's just kind of how this artist operates uh lavar the star is essentially shabazz palaces which is 
a uh, a left field hip hop duo who actually, you know, kind of kept their own identities something of a secret when they were coming out back around the beginning of last decade. Uh, so it's it's like kind of on brand for them to to just sort of like put out something kind of mysterious. Um, but what I didn't know is that actually one of the members of Shabazz Palace has left back in the beginning of 2020. And since it was just a duo, it means it's really one person now, which is kind of interesting in the sense of like, why are you still using the Shabazz Palace's name if it's just one person out of a duo? Like, isn't this kind of just your own personal project at this point? Uh, but that's, you know, that's that's a whole different thing about naming, which is the least important aspect of a musical release. Uh, so that being said, Shabazz Palaces, they put out one canon classic back in 2011. So that's an agreed upon classic in the sort of experimental hip hop. Uh, uh, I don't know if you can call that a genre, but at least like a milieu. Um, it's called Black Up. And I do love that one. I do really love it. I have it as a 4.5 right now. Uh, but they also put out one, you know, less well-received album in 2014 called Lese Majesty, which I'm sure I've told you about, if not on the show, like I've raved about it. Um, that's one of my all-time favorites. I have that as one of my fives. And it's it's so far still the only hip-hop album in my fives. Um, it's, it's hazy and it's sparse, but it's intricate. And the album structure is very odd and progressive and the songwriting is very distinct and diverse and it's also less than 45 minutes so that's you know that's recipe for a classic that's absolute classic in my book so i think you can understand my disappointment when i tell you that this is not good oh no uh the the atmosphere is sort of there um this is like kind of murky but none of these songs are interesting man and i mean none absolutely none oh my God. There's, there's nothing there's nothing at, at least with the wednesday album there were a couple points where i was like eh, what am i listening to here uh this one there were zero points throughout it where i kind of was like what am i actually listening to this very just in one ear out the other um the beats are are somewhat dynamic uh but like when something does change up it doesn't really sound organic it's it's kind of like you know there was already a half-baked song and they they put in another half-baked idea to try and make it a fully baked song but it's like no it doesn't add up it just multiplies out so now instead of being a full baked song it's just quarter baked like now it just seems like some shit that was already like half done and then you added something to it and now it's even less done i don't know how that makes any sense but it does and it's it's just it's even less of a song after that uh the the production it's not like in, in terms of the overall sound not just like the beats uh it's it's not it's not really hazy as much as it is kind of muddy and murky and mushy uh everything blends together in like this very chunky soupy mix that just it's just really unappealing on the ears and um and i i, I don't I don't have anything good to say about it. I don't have anything good to say about it. Um, I've been trashing it here a little bit, but what I can say is that it's never like offensively bad. There's never anything where I'm like, wow, I need to turn this shit off right now. Uh, but it's not interesting and it doesn't sound good. Um, it's only 36 minutes. So 
I'm gonna be generous here. I'm gonna be oh. generous here. And I, I I think off the top of my head, this might be the I don't think I've given anything a one point five yet this year. Um so I'm being generous in calling this a two out of five, but I think it's the worst album I've listened to all year. It's just it's it's that is a pity two point five then <laughs> or two. I pity. mean it's a pity yeah, it too. It's a pity too. It's like I can't, you know, thinking about the Fallout Boy album uh from last show where you know that had some not good stuff on it, but the first few songs were actually kind of good. You know, that ended up with a two out of five. I had to think about like, is this worse than that? Is this really that much worse than that? And I think it it is a little bit worse just based on the fact that there's nothing I could see myself coming to uh to 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 listen to again. And and maybe I'll give it like, you know, once I work my way through the Shabazz Palace's discography again, maybe, you know, I'll I'll have to give this another listen. But I don't I don't I don't see me liking anything on here. So yeah, right now I'm calling this a two, but like this is not good. This is the worst album I've listened to this year. There's nothing nothing redeemable about it. It's it's just not terrible. It's bad, but it's not terrible. So Levar the Star, Illusions Ago, two out of five. Do not listen to this album. Damn. Or anything on it. Or anything on it. Don't listen to don't listen. Ignore it. Don't don't listen. It, it doesn't it. exist. It's got it's got like 36 ratings right now or something. So like nobody's listening anyway. But it's it's at like a 2.3 something. So that's a rough shame. Um damn. Okay. I won't listen to it. You you got me. You sold me. I'm not gonna listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I anti-sold you. <laughs> Congratulations. Um so my last album that I had was a, was a very unique album. Uh, I, I listened to it at first. I realized it... Well, at first I looked... wasn't on Spotify. So I listened to it on YouTube. And uh, I thought that it was a complete meme, like a joke album at first. And because it is... I was, I was going to make this like some grand... Uh, you know, make this out to be like a grand meme album. At first, I literally thought that the band was on the level of like Ween in making like a joke gimmick album um ocean but no man. yeah no this this did not hit ocean man quality um there's one song on here that's pretty close but uh the rest of it's pretty forgettable um this this band uh this is this album is called burning bridges and it is by a band called black magic with a k ss so, um so yeah i saw the i saw this one hold on a second yeah <laughs> um, i had seen this one on the charts are they are they serious is that ss thing serious um so uh i think the the explanation i've looked around on the, on on the internet trying to find if they were serious or not uh i i believe that they used to be serious in 2017 <laughs> or so because I wanted, I want to really, I wanted to get in on some of the comments and, and reviews for this album. Um, there was one comment uh, in the comment box that was really, I think, telling. Um, so here, here is a comment that was left on March sixteenth, and it says, "BMSs in twenty fifteen, generic Satanist Nazi themes. BMSs in twenty seventeen, a more unique and controversial imagery and 
and themes on Nazi <laughs> and Hindu esotericism. And then VMSS in 2013, dinosaurs are my best friends. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it at first. Uh, dinosaur is the best song on this album. It's not even close. Uh, the lyrics to so so the so what I thought the gimmick was is that this on the very surface it like hits you it's one of those things that hits you immediately and you have a very strong visceral reaction to it and the theme is that you are listening to like 70s and 80s like synthy old synth pop and synth rock stuff and then the lyrics are completely black metal lyrics it is the complete like it is like this not screech not screech lyrics but just like the the death metal lyric, like, you know, vocal delivery. And you're just like, what the fuck am I listening to? This is so stupid. Um, and at first I really liked it. And I, I thought that and I liked it a little, I still like it a little bit. Um, I think it's a funny gimmick. I think it's a funny, you know, it's just a funny album to listen to. I listen to dinosaurs and the lyrics are dinosaurs are my best friends through thick and thin until the very end. People tell me, do not pretend stop living in your made up world again. But the dinosaurs, they're real to me. They bring me up and make me happy. I just want the world to see the dinosaurs are a part of me. And I'm just like, all right, well, this because I realized what he was singing with the black metal lyrics, which does not happen often. And I was just like, what the fuck is this bullshit? So that was this is the one thing that gets as close to uh, to anything on the mollusk. Um, yeah, I I was listening to the rest. Some of the rest of the songs are pretty OK. Um, I think Let Go is pretty pretty boring like synth poppy with you know whatever the just general song stuff is um burning bridges i thought was pretty boring breaking free was you know typical like a it's like almost like stadium stadium rock with black metal stuff like thrown into it um but i was like whatever this is this i can just dump pretty much uh mystery is actually pretty good but yeah there's a lot of like at first the first song is black metal like vocal delivery but then it like kind of fades away on all of that um the last song let the magic in i thought was pretty decent you know it's a nice like big uh it's it's got a really good ending too you know really hard uh really hard riffing and then it's got like a certain characteristic like 70s 60s style mono vocal you know mono lyrics which i thought was a pretty nice uh play out but yeah, then I come onto the page and I see it is a burning shit show of people like like there have been a lot of comments that have been deleted. There was also I did want to say too, there is a freaking wicked saxophone solo in uh I think it was Let Go at some point. Yeah, Let Go at the like near the second third of it. It was really fucking nice. That was like one of the best that's easily the best part on it was a sax solo. Um but yeah, then the comments are a burning shit show. I thought it was very funny um, because it's people that are like taking it incredibly serious. Um, the word on, on some of the internet, I had just had a, a site up that had a real that was posted eight months ago on r slash R-A-B-M, which I want to say is radical anarchist black metal uh, talking I about read an anarchist. Yeah, pretty much. Um this is this is the post I'm sending you, but it's a pretty detailed. Actually, this is two years ago, not eight months, but um, yeah, this is like a very long background on it, 
and it looks like that it was very serious, that it was serious at some point, but then they realized it couldn't, like, they really couldn't make it serious. And, like, I think they've been really trying to walk the tightrope line, and most people realize, like, they're not walking it very well. Um, there's a lot of hidden images of just bullshit, like, Nazi stuff. Um, and they were trying to, like, get that group on, like, to their band so that they would sell more shit. And then people were like, wait, is this, this is like, the, this is like the, it was not ironic, but then they, like, try to grew into it being an ironic image. And people were <laughs> like, no, it doesn't work like that. You're stupid. Um, so, yeah, people think that, you know, they've definitely tried to distance themselves from that. So that they can like go to festivals and stuff, but their their music isn't even on Spotify. And then I realized, oh, that's why it's not on fucking Spotify is because they have SS in their fucking name. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that this is like, to be honest, like I don't even care enough if they are or aren't, but it's clear that they have dabbled in it. There was one comment I think on it that said uh, they were. Nazi curious or something like on those lines. <laughs> Which I'm just like, all right, fucking hell. One shot. Like, wow. <laughs> like, I guess we were all 14 at one point or something. This is so just so dumb. Like, that is that not is... something you can just like Holy dabble fuck. in being like curious about. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like this. Um, that is one of my that's the, maybe one of my favorite phrases I've heard in so long is Nazi curious <laughs> but I I think I, I agree with like what you just said a little while ago I was like really I don't I don't care if they are I mean there's some people on, they're fucking banned on the internet like I think yeah. once 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 you accept that you can listen to Burzum it's like eh, how much how much can I really justify like complaining about this kind of stuff uh if 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 it's not like overt in the lyrics um but it's you know and 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 of course there were a bunch of like punk bands in like the 70s and 80s who were like wearing you know swastikas and shit and slayer and and you know other metal bands kind of played into that kind of stuff but either way it's like if the music's good, the music's good. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about it. If the, if the music's good and they're not actively being like, let's you know, gas people or whatnot, like, I'm fine with it. It's it's just it's just people saying dumb shit that doesn't actually matter. Yeah, I uh, I thought that this was. Um, I thought that the, the, you know, on the level of the music being good, yeah, it's all right. I think that there were a number of songs that had a lot of good parts. There were some songs that were pretty boring. Um, Burning Bridges, the first song was complete black metal lyrics and, you know, with the synthy background. I'm just like, okay, meme, total joke. Breaking Free is the same stuff, but then you mix in some of the more... trying to think of the word more traditional like synth pops you know male vocals that go along with the background music um and then dinosaurs i mean dinosaurs is a jam um that's like that's shit that you can dance to in your room you know that's like (laughs) that's like the best one of the best ironic songs i've heard in a while um but that that and like burning bridges i'm like okay this is like this is like a very funny novelty but 
uh yeah this is like i just i i I was having a tough time taking it seriously until uh let the magic in so i'm giving it a three three out of five um yeah it was it was a funny one listen uh i would listen to it every now and then dinosaurs is i can't put it on a playlist (laughs) i can't put it on a spotify playlist (laughs) but but yeah i would put dinosaurs on if i could um because yeah i looked it up at first and i think even the playlists for this were getting shut down so I mean, yeah, you just you can't have that stuff on Spotify. So yeah, that's I'm giving it a three three out of five, and uh, it was a funny listen. It was like a it was a funny novelty, and I you know I it, it's something that I appreciate that I heard you know black metal vocal delivery going in a far different direction than what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's something that uh, that's something that I think is going to be a trend going forward too, because there have been a couple of albums this year. I I don't. I think I talked about one of them on the show, which was the the Gauntlet. I think I gave a quick review of them for the Hall of Mediocrity. Um, but it it seems like people are starting to like put that vocal style in, or or if not starting to, but it's catching on that people are putting that vocal style in in different mm-hmm. genres and it's it's exciting i like that mm-hmm. i think it's a it's a good move yeah absolutely so that's that's the music i listen to i'm uh i'm looking forward to succession but i think we've hit that two hour mark and yeah. i could just get to my top the the topic of the other thing at some point the next show because yeah i'm i'm good on weekly shows now but no i you totally know what i agree. also you know what I also saw? Uh, this, this, this is. I'll edit this into the show because it's it's Utah related. Oh, um, there was probably not a good. Law. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, great. <laughs> Fucking great. Uh, there was apparently a law that just got like overturned uh, a few years ago or something. I think because uh, I was listening to another podcast where they brought this up and. Um, so it looks like this was 2017 that it got overturned. I'm looking at an article from NPR. It says Utah Zion Curtain Falls and loosens state's tight liquor laws. Have you are you sort of aware of what this might be? Um, I think that's like got to be three or four years old. But yes, I uh, I do know what that is, and I think it's the stupidest, dumbest shit ever. <laughs> but I can see where it's coming from. On like like I see why it was a law from like a reality perspective not like i agreed with it at some point no it's for it's really fucking dumb but yeah it's it um it doesn't exist anymore and uh yeah it's just really stupid i'm 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 glad that the rules were not as archaic as they are when i got here that's that's really all i would say but they're still pretty bad they're they're like they're like they're like mildly inconveniencing but that's it like with the the laws that were in like 2018, that would just be like a total just why why is this this is really stupid. Yeah, yeah. So for anybody who who doesn't know, um, Zion curtains in Utah were uh, were areas that um, restaurants had to have um, where they were not. In Utah, they were not allowed to prepare alcoholic drinks in front of people. They had to do it behind 
this this frosted glass area because uh you know one of the reasons they gave is that if if kids saw them making drinks if kids saw bartenders making drinks then they might want to drink and you can't have that mm-hmm. um <laughs> it is one of the dumbest fucking laws I've i ever swear read to god i read <laughs> it and i'm like it's so stupid <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, you, you put it behind some some obscure glass area. I feel like that's just going to make kids want it more because now it's some forbidden thing that they can't even see. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It costs a lot of restaurants a lot of money. Um, but, yeah, yeah. It was revealed in 2017. I was telling my dad, like, I think that that is a big, is a big reason why they're I think just in general, compared to like an urban area like Chicago or an urban area like Milwaukee, you have a lot of more mom and pop restaurants, like good quality, like solo owned restaurants versus here. Now, there are there are a number of them, but they're really few and far between compared to like almost everywhere else I've lived, um, which is pretty disappointing because that's one thing that, you know, doesn't. Yeah, people have said, especially when I was moving in, there was one person that was from like the Chicago area that was a mover. And he had said, yeah, I love it a lot here. There's a lot of great things. But one thing that this place fails on is food, like to eat out. Like there are not a lot of great restaurants. Um, Like if my mom had come like four or five times to Utah, then we've probably, at least in my area, probably have hit like every good restaurant by that point. Um so it's like whatever i mean but the ones that are like good restaurants dude they are fucking packed which is like it just shows that there is demand like that there is taste but there are just no there are just not enough restaurants like that people have made so some of the breweries too there was one that we went to that was like just dog shit like the beer was really trying hard to be unique the food was like very much um you know charged at the rate but it felt like it was very like corporate like corporately made like it was portioned small it wasn't it was just like not inspiring and and whatever it felt like i could have done a better job on like my panini maker because i had a panini there i'm like yeah this is just i mean i could have done better so i was just like whatever this is silly but yeah i just i don't think i think that's one thing that misses out on and then like you know, just the fact that all those restaurants made their money on liquor and they couldn't really make it until like six years ago. Yeah, there's not a lot of momentum in uh, in the small restaurants. There is now, but, you know, you lost all of it from prior to that because that's how they made their money. And then like, oh, big mega corporation, fucking Burger King, Wendy's and all the other crap can easily, uh, you know, they don't sell alcohol, so they can easily win on the margin. So it's just upsetting in that regard. But Thank God I don't eat out anyway, because I'm I'm not fucking buying Taco Bell at 27. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm not doing it. I can't be a full time worker and fucking. Yeah, the, the, the yep, disrespect. It. The disrespect. I I just had Taco Bell this past weekend, dude. It's still it's still fucking slaps. <laughs> I know it does, and I'm trying not to eat it anymore. I'm on a I'm back on the I'm back on the fucking soulless angry diet i'm actually grilling too i've made my own grill so i built my grill and i burnt my fucking thumb on it i can send a photo of it what it looks like but it's right on the part of your thumb that well, you shit, though. unlock your phone which is very frustrating <laughs> so well see that's why i have a phone where i don't use my thumb for that which we've 
we've, we've talked about how disappointing cell phones are these days. Um, I, I still have Pixel 4a where the fingerprint sensor is on the back. So I use my index finger for it. And half the reason I have not upgraded my phone is because I don't want to lose that. It's that and the headphone jack. I don't want to lose those two things. And most new phones do not have either of those things. So I'm stuck in fucking no man's land until my phone basically breaks. Um, but last Utah note, uh, gotta, gotta be careful out there because the, uh, the BAC limit for drunk driving. Yeah, it's fucking low. 